G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. It's good to have you along with us. It is the Thursday edition of 2020. It's Neil Johnson with you and our special guest through the remainder of this hour is Anne Lastman. Anne is the author of a book. It's her latest book. It's called Hidden Pain and it's based on her experience as a counsellor in assisting people who've suffered the trauma of childhood sexual abuse. Now, Anne's previous book is called Redeeming Grief, and it deals primarily with post-abortion grief. And Anne runs the uh, the organisation Victims of Abortion Counselling and Referral Service, and so uh, obviously as a counsellor comes into contact uh, with a whole range of issues, but one of those being childhood sexual abuse. And let's welcome our guest. Hello, Anne. Welcome to 2020. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Anne. And uh, welcome back to Australia. You've just been travelling overseas. Uh, You've been speaking at a a number of different places overseas? I have, but I mostly, uh, it was just uh, one only talk, but I took time out to go to a place that I've always wanted to go. It was a lifetime dream. Guess where? Israel. Okay, fabulous. It was beautiful. And, you know, we hear so about so much problems in Israel, but it was quiet as anything. There was no problems at all. It was lovely people, welcoming, happy to see, you know, visitors. And we also even went to Jordan and just as equally beautiful there. Well, Anne, I'm glad you're back safely and that you had a fabulous time visiting Israel and in Jordan too. Let's come to our topic today. Your latest book is called Hidden Pain. Now, I mentioned that, and we've spoken to you before on the issue of grief, particularly when it comes to post-abortion grief, and that's a specialised area of counselling that you've been involved in. With this area of uh, counselling for people who've suffered childhood sexual abuse, uh, is there a connection between the, the two areas? Well, I, I can only see a connection where there is multiple abortions. When someone sort of says, I've had five, six, seven, uh, one, one woman was 20. Um, 11, 8, whenever there's something like that in their history, um, always my my inner sense says there's something else here. And always I have been right. I When you start asking the different sorts of questions, it's always been there. The reason I chose to write this book, apart from the normal, because I've seen it and I've been counselling, and, and it works well with what I do, um, is because the media happens to love writing about sexual abuse by priests, pastors, rabbis, um, you know, people like that, and even high-profile figures. But they never look where it really begins from. 
And my my hope is not that I want, I don't want to wound anybody, but it's important to start looking because uh, sexual abuse is as big as, if not bigger than abortion. Okay. And it happens in the family. Now, you are saying that there is a fundamental misunderstanding of a deep social malaise when it comes to this issue of childhood sexual abuse. Uh, It's been taboo up until recently, but, of course, with the Royal Commission, it's brought it out of the cupboard. It's brought it out of the hidden places, and these stories are flooding the media, and uh, they do raise our awareness. Interesting, as you're saying, uh, that the stories at the present time are dealing with uh, issues that have happened in church and uh, and various institutions, but you're saying that the, the issue is so much, much deeper than that, and that actually alerts us to the fact that there's a huge problem that goes beyond the churches and into the broader community and starts in families. Absolutely. And unless we start seeing where it comes from, nothing will be resolved with this commission. Absolutely nothing. Because sexual abuse, which begins in a family of a child, then that child takes it into their own life. Whether male or female, they will take it into their own life. And if it's a female, she will continue to look for abuse because that's all she knows. If it's a male, he may or may not abuse others or himself become um, uh, a victim for more abuse. Um, it, my hope is once it's because the book's at the publisher now, uh, once it's uh, ready for launching. Um, I'm going to do an Australia-wide tour, and I want people to start listening. I'm not, I don't want to hurt the family. That is not my intention, even though I've been accused of it. Um, and I've got some really awful words said at me. Um, what I want to do is to raise awareness that children are hurting And if you see a child showing some signs, do something about it. Don't leave the child because the child hurts and they hurt alone. And what I want to say is don't do that because the children believe that no one cares. And sometimes they end it all because no one has cared. And I want to invite our listeners to be a part of our conversation today and uh, they can in some respects direct the way that our conversation might unfold because people could be calling in and and quite sensitive issues and we do need to be sensitive uh, on this topic. But uh, inviting listeners to be a part of our conversation, our talkback line is open 1-800-880-876. You might have your own story of how you have overcome the effects of sexual abuse. Uh, you may have uh, a story to tell that has some connection with sexual abuse. Uh, what can families do to safeguard children? Uh, does hiding your pain help or does it hinder your recovery? You can be a part of our conversation, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. Anne Lastman is our guest. She's the author of a new book. In fact, she says it's at the publishers. It will be out soon. It's called Hidden Pain. And when you're in a counselling situation, someone shares with you that they have suffered childhood sexual abuse, where do you start to help someone on the road to recovery? 
Well, usually this begins because they've come to me for a different story. They've normally come um, mainly for post-abortion issues. So, as I said, when I hear, um, well, and I've had five abortions, seven abortions. About a month ago, I've heard of an eight abortion. And then I thought, okay, we've got a different problem here. Because no one has eight abortions. You might have one or two, but not eight. Okay. So that says to me that there is, she's trying to do something, wound her body. And so I start. And I, with her permission, and I say to her, I'll call her Mary because that's a generic name. Okay. So that makes it easier. Mary, with your permission, can we in the next session, not today because we don't have time, in the next session, can we look at different things? And next session, what I might do is start asking about questions about her early life and listen for people she doesn't want to talk about and anything that might have happened. And usually something always pops up that uh, my brother, um, my dad, my stepfather, my uncles, uh, my grandfather, my auntie, one, one young man, uh, his mother sexualized him. So then it's a different thing. We, I leave behind the abortion issues because that's just an after effect. And we start working with, um, with the events. One of the things that I have heard all the way through is that the loneliness of a child that's being sexually abused because they're not able to tell anybody. They're both ashamed, embarrassed, um, or there's a fear, there's a threat. What did I do? Did I do anything to cause it? You know, especially when when it starts when they're very young. For example, as an eight-year-old, an eight-year-old doesn't know. All they know is that it's a yuck feeling. They don't understand what's happening to them, but they know it's yuck. I don't feel well. I, I feel awful. Why is this happening to me? Why is my daddy, my brother, my whoever doing this to me? This feels awful. So and- what Yeah, what I do is begin very slowly. Ultimately, when I get asked this, what do you do? I help them rewrite a history, never rubbing it out because you can't, because, you know, there's memories, but rewriting a history helping her understand that it wasn't her fault. We've been hearing, Anne, that when people are able to tell their story, and even this comes to people who've been telling their story to the Royal Commission, uh, but when you start to tell the story, and your book's called Hidden Pain, if you take the pain that's hidden and bring it to light, is that the start of the recovery process or a healing process? What begins the healing process is that someone believes them. The fear has always been that no one's going to believe you. They'll believe me. And when you say that to a child, of course a child's going to believe that. 
because a child is dependent upon adult. If if it's a father or a brother or a grandfather who does these things, um, saying, no one's going to believe you, and I'm going to say that it was you who's done these things. Well, a child doesn't know how to defend themselves against these things that's happening to them. And so they believe they live always with the with the memory of no one's going to believe you. And when someone starts believing them, it's almost like uh, a mountain of pain has been lifted off them because someone is believing them. Okay. That's, that's where the healing begins. And last minute, our guest, you can be a part of our conversation today. We are talking about childhood sexual abuse and overcoming that pain. Anne's new book is called Hidden Pain. It's not quite on the market yet. Uh, It's Hidden hidden Pain, Neil, an insight into childhood sexual abuse. Yes, an insight into childhood sexual abuse. We're taking calls 1-800-880-876. If you'd like to be part of our conversation, let's take a call from Rosemary in Melbourne. Hello, Rosemary. Welcome back to 2020. Oh, hello, Neil. It's Neil, yes, and uh, and Anne is with us. What's your what's your comment or your contribution to our conversation, Rosemary? Uh, I'm just wanting to make a brief comment, politely, on um, if you believe or you're sure that somebody in your family is has been or is being sexually abused, it impacts onto the other members of the family who have some belief, they have some knowledge of this as well, that they have to carry the pain as well. Let's hear from Anne on that. It affects the whole family. If if one is abused, then everybody shares that pain. Is that the case, Anne? It's absolutely true, Rosemary, because what happens is that the child or the person being abused um, believes that the others uh, um, know of it and are doing nothing about it, especially mum. Um, if yeah. mum does nothing about it, yeah. um, then the child who is being abused believes that that there is a knowledge um, that it's happened that that the others know, but don't want to do anything about it. And further still, that strengthens the loneliness. Or can't do anything about it because of fear of people yeah. not being happy that they've been. They can't do anything about it, sweetie. They can't because also if a mother knows, very often if a mother does know that is going on, something is going on, she can't do much, especially if she's got any number of children. What will she do? How will she cope financially? In our day, in today's age, there is much more we can do, okay? There is government funding, but in the past, in the past of... Say 30 years ago, uh, a woman with four or five, six children, what could she do if she went to the police? And her main um, uh, financial person, her husband, um, was taken away. What can they do? And so you're stuck in the middle of, um, in, the, in, the, in this middle land or in, a, in another situation where a brother is sexually abusing a sister. Um, parents are caught in the middle. Um, what do they do? Because they love both their children. But the, the child that's being abused says, I don't care. I don't care. I want him to hurt. He's hurting me. 
but the parents for the parents it's both both of their children so it's a, it's a real you know all i want to say is that um sexual abuse or a sexual abuser just doesn't drop out of the sky a sexual abuser is born an innocent baby just like everybody else's innocent child something happens to turn that innocence into abuse what was it something has happened and it is my humble opinion um from what i've read heard um counseled that a, an abuser has themselves been abused in the past and what happens is that when they get to a certain age or a certain stage in their development they begin what was done to them at a certain stage well rosemary from melbourne thank you so much for being a part of 2020 today and lastman is our guest you can be a part of our conversation our talkback line is open 1-800-880-876 1-800-880-876 back with more in just a short while it's neil with you on this thursday edition of 2020 and lastman is our guest Anne's new book is called hidden pain based on her experience in assisting people who've suffered the trauma of childhood sexual abuse. Our talkback line is open, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. if you'd like to be a part of our conversation. How do you overcome the effects of sexual abuse? You may have your own story to tell. What can families do to safeguard their children? You can be a part of our conversation, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. And let's take another call. Mary in Victoria. Hello, Mary. Welcome to 2020. Mary. Yes, uh, Mary, what's your contribution? What's your story? Well, I don't want to go into my story, Mary. I come from a family where there was sexual abuse, but um, I'm all grown up. I'm okay. I've got kids, but I vowed if I had kids, I want to somehow protect my kids. And after doing a lot of research about how to do that, I came across this DVD. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's called Ditto's Keep Safe Adventure. And it's made from, I think it's Department of um, Family and Community Services in Brisbane and it's designed to, it's an interactive game that you play on the computer with the children and it teaches them about their bodies, about warning signs, how to listen to their bodies and basically to teach them um, when they're feeling unsafe around other people. So I've done that with my kids and you know, I've tried to pre-teach them things without going into my own history or into that whole aspect of it, but in a safe way, get them to know about their own bodies and when they're feeling unsafe around other people and what to do about it. And what's your thoughts on uh, what Mary's sharing today? Well, Mary's done really well, and I think she has taken from her own experience and did something to protect her children. And I, Neil, I... I'm often very sad that I've even had to write a book like this. Yeah. You know, children, um, as I've written in the book, the home should be the safest place on earth mm. for any child. Even if it's, a, if it's a, a humpy or a tent, it should be the safest place on, on earth. However, it really is not. Um, yeah. And sexual abuse within the family is quite rampant except yeah. that it's, as, it's, it's quiet and no one wants to talk about it because 
it, it still is very shameful. It, it is. No one wants to talk about it. It's too disgusting to 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 even consider it. And Mary from Victoria, uh, you know, as Anne is complimenting you, uh, there is a sense in which you have your own story to tell, uh, but that's a little bit hidden. You don't want that to be out in the open. You don't want your children to be affected by that, but you're taking precautions for your children so that they don't experience the same thing. Look, I must admit, I'm happy to share my experiences if I come across others in the same situation, but I don't see my story as a fodder for everybody else to listen to and it doesn't change their lives. So for me, I'm happy to talk about it with people who I know have been through similar things. Um, but, yeah, you know, it is hard. But like I said, I'm OK. I've got through it. Um, yeah, Mary, while we've got you here and uh, you're saying you are through it, can you can you enlighten us on uh, on those sort of steps that you took to get to a point where you say, well, OK, I recognise that's my past, but it's not so painful anymore? That took a long time and it probably wasn't until I become a Christian in my early 20s that that's where I got true healing from a lot of that stuff. That's not to say you don't look back and think, you know, that was pretty awful, but you don't have the sting of it anymore. You don't live through it every day thinking about and dwelling upon it. So for me, that healing is, this has happened. You know, I am still the same person, but, you know... I don't live it with my children. I don't live it with other people. Um, but I do use it to help others if I need to. So for me, become a Christian and, and Jesus and, and that whole healing aspect through becoming a Christian was probably my greatest thing. So, yeah. yeah and uh, when you, in those early days, uh, you became a Christian, uh, these things were confronted, I imagine, in some sort of a, a message that was either preached or a teaching session or some sort of a seminar. These things were raised and you went forward and you believed God was able to bring you through those things. Was that the way it happened like that? Not quite. I'm, my testimony is more of a God intervening in my life when... No one told me about God. It was actually he who intervened in my life. And the night I'd become a Christian, it was a quite because I'd never experienced love or any niceness in my life. So when I'd become a Christian, I was totally unaware that someone, anyone in this world could feel such kindness and love and gentleness and healing. I just believe in that one moment of becoming a Christian, without me having to go through every little thing I'd been through, I was just healed of so many things just by meeting Jesus so there was no counseling and and I've never had counseling and I'm not against counseling but for me personally it was that one meeting with the Lord that was just so amazing for me Mary thank you so much for sharing your story that's actually really beautiful an encounter with Jesus and the healing that comes Uh, let me hear your heartbeat on that Anne because I know that you do lead uh, your uh, guests into an encounter with Jesus as well Yes, I do. And what I heard Mary saying is that really what she has done is um, reconciled with her history. There's been a reconciliation. Jesus has led her into a reconciliation, not forgetting, uh, not suppressing, but a reconciliation with, with her history and taking out the sting which... Um, it's this thing that looking back again and feeling its power that brings back the memories. Well, reconciling with one's history helps for that to go. 
And for Mary, she's done that. Her encounter with the Lord helped her to, to do that. And But you see, mostly today, um, most people don't have encounters with the Lord and they don't look for encounters with the Lord. What they resort to is other self-destructive behaviors, mm-hmm. um, drugs, um, streets. I had one young man um, over about 18 months ago who said to me the words, and I'll never forget them, and I am safer sleeping under the bridge than at home because my mum's boyfriend does it to me when she's working. It's tragic. So what he does, what he does, he's under a bridge and streets with other street people who look after one another. They protect one another because his home became unsafe. So um, I'm really happy that Mary was able to have this encounter with the Lord. And that's what I would like for everyone. But the reality is it doesn't happen. The reality is that people wander around with a sign, almost an invisible sign that says, abuse me, I'm available for abuse. And what I hope that I can do is that remove that that sign that says abuse me and put one that says I am beautiful, I am worthy, I am loved, I am a special creation. And stay with us. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Uh, But a beautiful story from Mary and uh, the love of God in intervention there in the pain of childhood sexual abuse. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. We are taking calls, 1-800-880-876, if you'd like to be part of our conversation. We are talking about childhood sexual abuse and Anne's new book called Hidden Pain. Back with more in just a few moments. It's Neil with you on 2020. We're talking through issues of childhood sexual abuse and how you overcome the pain and the effects of that childhood sexual abuse. Our special guest is Anne Lastman. Anne's the author of a new book called Hidden Pain. It's not quite on the market yet, so we've jumped the gun. We're talking about it before it is available. You'll need to keep your eye out for it. Uh, Let's continue to take some calls, Anne. Uh, Christine is in Victoria. Hello, Christine. Welcome to 2020. Yes. Christine, great to talk to you. What's your contribution to our conversation? And you will need to be fairly quick. Okay, just a question for Anne. Uh, Anne, I was wondering, in your opinion, what you had found to be the most effective support that you were able to give survivors in the counselling setting. Christine, I lovely to hear from you. Isn't that amazing? All our callers came from Victoria, where I am, and not from yeah. Queensland. That's this interesting. Is beautiful. Yay! Um, the most important is that I walk with them. And we journey back to the events, and they I let them see. It's almost like if I were to give you an analogy that I stand with them on top of a hill and help them look at a little girl, if it's a girl or a, a, a guy, if it's a, a guy, and see that they were innocent, that they were not responsible and help remove from them the sense that they were responsible for what happened to them. That's really important because they grow up with a sense of shame because they believe they did something to deserve it. And what I help them see is that, no, they didn't. 
and to to have that blame removed from them. Christine. I hope that, that can yes. help you. Uh-huh. Uh, just a, a quick question there. How do you help the survivor reconcile the reality as a Christian uh, with the sinful nature and then speaking of their innocence in the area of the child sexual abuse? Well, this, uh, for that to, to be able to answer that question is to be able to help the person to see that the perpetrator was once also innocent. So what happened? Something must have happened mm-hmm. for that child to be or adult to then become a perpetrator. It doesn't, that child who became a perpetrator was not born that way. Something must have happened. I was talking recently to someone who said that seven-year-olds were touching other Mm seven-year-olds. Now, where does a seven-year-old know how to do that? Because they don't. So what's happening is that, that they, someone's doing it to them. Yeah, exactly. And so they pass and it, it continues. Christine, you're talking about the sinful nature. And uh, just repeat your question again and, uh, and we'll see if we can come uh, with a, another answer, another response on that. Uh, yes, I can repeat the, the question. Uh, I think, though, Anne's um, response to my question was, was quite adequate. Good. Um, I was speaking of the... <clears throat> the uh, the innocence that uh, Anne spoke of in, in relation to, say, the survivor, and um, and and how does the survivor reconcile uh, his or her innocence with the reality of sinful nature? And I guess there Anne's pointing out the, the difference between <clears throat> uh, uh, somebody who's been perpetrated against and then they act in like. Uh, response to that perpetration as opposed to sinful nature being something quite different. That's right. The the actions of the sinful nature are going to continue to be uh, in the direction of being a perpetrator. Let me just ask a difficult question here for Anne. Uh, for people who are perp- perpetrators of, of sexual abuse, and oftentimes uh, when we talk about pedophiles, we say that really there's not much hope. Uh, they're not going to change. There's no real healing that can take place. But is there, uh, in your mind, Anne, uh, hope for the people who are perpetrators to actually stop that behaviour and to be reformed, restored and healed? I would believe so. I would totally, completely believe so because if there isn't, what we're saying is that there is someone who is not designed in the image and likeness of God, and I can't cope with that. I can't accept that. Every human being, Satan does not have a mandate to create life, and that's his worst anger and jealousy. Only God creates life. His his job is to mess up life and... Um, to create someone who cannot ever be redeemed. I'm sorry, I can't go with that. Mm. Personally, I would love to be able to work with a perpetrator to see if, if, if I can help him or her, because there are also women who are perpetrators. I would love to be able to see if it was possible to help them see and to be able, by that, to be able to say, I am so sorry 
that I did that because I hurt someone. Mm. I am to be able to really see and acknowledge what they've done. Christine from Victoria, thank you so much for being part of 2020. And time for one more call. I think we'll need to be very quick. Julie, also in Victoria in Melbourne. Hello, Julie. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, Julie. Hi, Hi, Neil. It's Julie from Melbourne. Um, Interestingly, that this has come up just in time for me to let you all know it's such a very, very um, painstaking thing. We're launching Naomi Hunter, who is a survivor of child sexual abuse. She's just had a uh, written article in the Daily Mail written, and we're launching her fabulous book in Melbourne on Sunday called A Secret Safe to Tell. As an educator um, who also advises many, many schools, the feedback I've had from the book from colleagues is, and my own feedback is that it's so innocently written, it's full of love, and yet it's so empowering. So on Sunday, what I'm hoping to achieve is I'm showing a very powerful YouTube about some social media and how pedophiles, how to try and prevent these pedophiles and our children getting onto that. Okay, Julie, we haven't got time to go through a lot of detail. Just tell me the oh, name, of that, name of that book and the author again. And... Yep, yep, Naomi Hunter, A Secret safe to tell. She's going to read it and we're going to be selling, but on her webpage, you can purchase it. It's an empowering book. Naomi Hunter, A Secret Safe to Tell. Julie, thank you so much for sharing that with us today here on 2020. Uh, Running short of time a little here, uh, Anne, uh, wanting to finish on a note which I hope will be a hopeful note. Uh, What do you say to people who are still struggling with that pain that they may have experienced from childhood sexual abuse? Uh, what's What's a good way to finish our conversation? Okay, don't do it alone. That's really important. Don't be ashamed. There's people like me who can help. There's other counsellors. There's your priests, really good priests, pastors, rabbis. Whatever your denomination is, please don't hold it because it really eats away at one's spirit. That pain eats away at the spirit. And secondly, what I would really, it's important, if you see a child suffering, don't be a Levite. Stop and help. Please, it's really important because this is the kind of wound which leads into all forms of addictions, even into ending one's life. So it's really important. See pain, work with it, deal with it. And the book is called Hidden Pain. It's at the publishers now. It's going to be available soon. You talked about doing a national tour when the book is being launched. We'll look forward to that, and we might have another follow-up session uh, talking about this issue again with you. People can contact you through the Victims of Abortion Counselling and Referral Service. You are based in Melbourne. And uh, Anne Lastman, uh, wonderful talking to you, hearing your insights into such an important issue as we've tackled today. Thanks for being with us, Anne. All right. Thanks, Neil. It's time for the news. But what's different about our news is that stories are selected and written through the lens of the Christian worldview. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.